Turn your Bible to John chapter 10, please. John the 10th chapter. We read verses 6 through 11. John chapter 10, verses 6 through 11. May we pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for the goodness of God, for the pearly white city, and for the old rugged cross that made it all possible, because Jesus paid the price to invite us to heaven, to be the door so that we could enter life. We pray that Thy Holy Spirit will make that clear to everyone here today. And may He draw unto Himself those with whom He is dealing. Lift loads and brighten roads and encourage those who are downhearted. In Jesus' name, amen. Right after Sunday school this morning, Brother Ben Oates showed me some pictures that I treasure very, very highly. Pictures of Brother and Mrs. Thomas Gaines being baptized at the Royal Ranch on Memorial Day, 1983. Both of them are now in the pearly white city. Mrs. Gaines was promoted this week from the last three and a half years of serious illness into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And Thomas went to be with the Lord about four years ago or four and a half years ago. And I thought of both of these saved in their later life. Some of the people in our church were instrumental in getting them to Jesus. I was given a card one day, and on that card were, were the name of Mr. was the name of Mr. and Mrs. Thomas Gaines lived on Highland, and uh, one of our men had been, already been there. Some of our ladies had been concerned about them. One of our ladies, uh, Miss Tommy Davenport, had worked with Mrs. Gaines for 40 years or a long time over at the Derby. Several of other other people had done that. I went by to see them. And they both gave their hearts to Christ. And then we had the joy and liberty and freedom of seeing them make that confession of faith right in this auditorium, follow Jesus in baptism, and God gave them those years of blessing to our church. And now they're part of Glendale eternal and immortal. And I thought as I contemplated about them, and we had Mrs. Gaines' memorial service the other day, of how it's possible how is it possible for those of us who were born in sin, who chose to sin, who are by nature sinners, by choice are sinners, how is it possible for us to enter heaven? And there came to my mind this wonderful passage in John chapter 10, beginning with verse 6. This parable spoke Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spoke unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Notice verse 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out. He shall find pasture. 
There are many metaphors Jesus uses to describe himself. He said one day, before Abraham was, I am. This made the Jews terrifically mad because they knew that Jesus was thus identifying himself with the name of God. For years before that, when Moses was getting ready to go down to, the, to Egypt to lead the people out of captivity, he said to the Lord God, when I get down to see Pharaoh, who shall I say sent me? What's your name? You see, all the gods of the pagans had various names. And the strangest thing God said to Moses, he said, you go say to Pharaoh, I am who I am sent you. And thus God became known as the great I am. That means he had no past, present, or future. He is the eternal one. From everlasting to everlasting. He didn't begin at a point of time. He doesn't end at a point of time. He is forever. And Jesus used that expression over and over again. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. And they were so infuriated they wanted to kill him. When Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And in this passage, Jesus was talking about the sheepfold. He was talking about his relationship to those who are his own. And he said, I am the door. Now, the first thing we notice in this is the fact that Jesus said, I am the door. Now, of course, he didn't mean that he was a door like this door right over here, a wooden door that, that's painted red. And, of course, that door is painted red because it symbolizes Jesus, the door, the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from all sin. But Jesus didn't mean he was a wooden door. This is a metaphor he uses to say, I am how you get in to the kingdom of God. Now he used this terminology <clears throat> in context, speaking about sheep. And he used two illustrations to describe what it was that he was the door to the sheepfold. In the winter time, in the day in which Jesus lived, the shepherds would all bring their sheep into a common sheepfold in the city where they could be shepherd, uh, shepherded and kept and, and uh, where there could be warmth and uh, shielded from the wild, ferocious winds and the snow and the wintertime and the, and the lions that used to prowl around the hill country in ancient Israel. Now in that sheepfold, there was a wall and then there was a door fastened securely and only the chief shepherd had the key to that door. He was called the keeper of the sheepfold. And the sheep on the inside could be secure. The shepherds could rest and not be afraid that their sheep would be molested. And when the chief shepherd would open the door, the next morning the shepherds would come and would just call for their own sheep. And when those shepherds called for their own sheep, only their sheep came. 
And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and they hear me. Sometimes I go to see some of our people. Some of you have dogs. I love dogs. Most dogs can tell when you love them. Now, some dogs just act like plain dogs and they bark every time a visitor comes around. I remember when Miss Dorothy Raymer was living, I used to go there and every time I'd knock on that door, that big old dog would start barking. And uh, when I'd go in, that dog would be nice and kind and gentle to, to Miss Raymer and to Becky and to Gary and I'm sure to the little girl now. But uh, every time I'd go in, that dog would bark, 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 bark. Because I was a visitor. He, he didn't know me. He knew his master. Jesus said, just like those shepherds that come and they call for their sheep, the other sheep don't come, they don't even pay attention. But that shepherd's sheep come because they know his voice. And then another shepherd would come and he'd call for his sheep and those sheep would come to him. Now Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They hear me. They follow me. Now he said, my sheep can be secure because I'm the door. And he said, I'm the chief shepherd. The three metaphors that describe Jesus as the shepherd say that he is the good shepherd, he is the great shepherd, he is the chief shepherd. And then Jesus used another metaphor, illustration of the sheepfold, and he was reminding us, as we read between the lines and know a little bit about Israel's history, that in the summertime, the, sheep did not, the shepherd did not bring their sheep into the city but rather they stayed out in the fields. And they had sheep folds out in the fields. Now those sheep folds were made up of walls. They were just various places and they were put up temporarily. They were, they were, uh, there were walls around, but there was no door. The sheep could go in and out of that, that uh, fold and the shepherd in the evening would call the sheep by his, their name and, and they would know his voice and he'd lead them into the sheep fold and then when morning would come, he would lead them out of the sheepfold so they could have pasture. They could come in and go out. But in that entranceway where there was no door, at night, the shepherd himself would lie down in that open way. Thus, he would become the literal door into the sheepfold. And Jesus said, that's what I am. I am the door. No ravenous beast can get in. Nothing from the outside can get in to harm my sheep because I am the door. And the only way you can get into that sheepfold is through the door. And Jesus said, now there are some that try to get in another way. They climb over the walls. Uh, they come in some other way. And they get in and pose as my sheep. But they're really sheep in wolves' clothing. They're not my sheep. Now, the Lord didn't say it in so many words in this passage, but it reminds me as I read this that some today try the waterway. They decide to get into the sheepfold by baptism. 
So they come and get themselves baptized, but they're not the sheep. They've climbed in some of the way. There's some that try to come in the works way. They clean their own lives up and they decide to quit a thousand sins and start some other good habits. And they say, I'm clean enough now, I'm going to join the church. And they come in that way. This is the reason down the years you find that when a person who is not one of the sheep gets under the word of God, they react one of two ways. They either get rebellious and cause confusion and disharmony among the brethren or they get saved. And we've seen a lot of people in the past years through this church that have been part of a sheepfold for years that never were saved. And one day they'll come down the aisle and they say, I never was saved and I've given my heart to Jesus today. Now Jesus told us that we should expect that. There are people that climb in some other way. Some of them feel like they're really part of the sheep. Maybe some of them have not been taught properly. Some of them not been under the Word of God. Some of them have had an emotional experience. Some have had one experience or another. But they come some other way. And Jesus said there is only one way into the sheepfold. And I am the door. And anybody that comes any other way is a thief and a robber. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the great I am. And so today the message would be to us, if there's anyone within the sound of our voice, as the Holy Spirit moves upon your heart and you hear the Word of God preached, if there comes into your heart the question, am I sure I'm one of the sheep? Examine your heart. Just see, have you come by the door? By Jesus, the door. Nobody can get in the sheepfold and be the real McCoy any other way except by the door, Jesus. And remember this, that the Holy Spirit in convicting us of sin does not necessarily convict us of drunkenness or immorality or profanity. Now wait a minute, you say, preacher, I thought you were against all those things. Yeah, but that's not what the Holy Spirit convicts the lost man of. The Holy Spirit convicts the lost man of his need of Jesus. He just points to Jesus. He doesn't point to our sins. He points to Jesus. And when we see ourselves in comparison to Jesus, there's something inside that says, I need Jesus. That's the reason a child can come to Jesus who has never committed any of these big sins that adults commit. Because the Holy Spirit is in the business of showing us our need of Jesus, the door. And a little child can be convicted, I need Jesus. He may not know anything about the big sins of the world, but he knows that he needs Jesus. And I want to tell you the biggest sin, the worst sin, the most awful sin, the only sin that bars the door of heaven is rejecting Jesus Christ. That's the big sin. And Jesus said, I'm the door. Anybody that comes by me can know that he's one of the sheep. Now, now secondly, Jesus uh, said, when you come, you will find that you can go in and out and find pasture. Now, to be able to, be able to come and go out unmolested was the Jewish way of describing a life that is absolutely secure and safe. 
Notice what he said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out and find pasture. That little phrase, go in and out, is a Hebrew expression. It's like an idiom. To be able to come in and go out without fear is the Hebrew thought that says everything's okay. My country is at peace. The forces of law and order are supreme. We can enjoy perfect security. Numbers 27, 17 reminds us that the leader of the nation is one who can bring them in and lead them out. Deuteronomy 28, 6 reminds us a man who is obedient to God is one who is blessed of God when he comes in and goes out. 1 Kings 3, 7 says a child is one who is not yet able to go out by himself or to come in by himself. Psalm 121, verse 8 says God will keep us in our going out and our coming in. Once a man discovers through Jesus what God is like, a new sense of safety and of security enters into life. If our lives are in the hands of God like that, the worries and the fears are gone. That's the reason the psalmist could say, the Lord is my light and my salvation, who shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Isn't that good? That's what it means to go in and out. And Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man will enter in, he shall find salvation. And he shall go in and out and find pasture. Trouble comes, yes. Disaster comes, yes. I had the funeral yesterday of a 29-year-old young man. Right in the prime of life. Family disturbed and hurt. Trouble Sure, it's coming. The young man was a Christian. His parents are Christians. You say, well, I don't understand why that should happen. Some of you in this room have lost children. I mean, you have had children who have died. And it's hurt you. You've never gotten over it. And sometimes you're prone to say, Lord, why? Some of you in this room have lost a father or a mother when they were even younger. No matter how long we have them, we never want to give them up. I think perhaps the longer we have them, the more it hurts when they go. I don't know, it always hurts. There's trouble that comes. And some of you have been through troubled times in recent weeks. But if you're one of the sheep, you found out that you don't have to really be afraid. You can let down the anchor of your faith more deeply and say, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, my hope is built on Christ. Now, let me hurry along. Not only does this scripture imply that Jesus is the door and the only door, it also implies that an entrance must be made. Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and he that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. It does no good to have a door if you don't ever use the door. Have you ever gone to a house and knocked on the door 
and somebody collars out, come to the side door, and you get in the door and you find out the reason you couldn't use the other door is because they got a bed up against her, or they've got some piece of furniture, or it doesn't open. I went to a door the other day and knocked, and, and somebody said, I've lost the key to this door, come around to the back door. That's all right, I'm not, you know, I'm not being, a, I'm not discrediting anybody, but I'm just saying, the only value of a door is to use it. That's what it's there for. Now, Jesus is the door. But if you don't go in at that door, you'll never get saved. You'll never go in and out. You'll never have that peace that passes all understanding. You'll never have the joy that Jesus wants to give you until you go in the door. And so this passage reminds us that the door must be used. The door must be entered. And when we enter it, oh, what's glory, what glory there is in entering the door through Jesus. And we just fall in love with him and love him. And so we want to come to, you know, that's the, the reason the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, is because he could hardly wait to get there to hear all the people join together in praising God. One of the big things they did when they got to God's house was to praise him. And you notice this morning we sang a lot of praise songs. We're marching to Zion. Oh, worship the King. Wonderful songs about Jesus. The old rugged cross made the difference. That pearly white city, all because the door is Jesus. And many have used that door and come in to the pasture. They've come into the sheepfold. If you're one who has never come into the door, Jesus is still the door today. He wants you to come in. Now, thirdly, this passage implies that some try another entrance. Jesus said, The thief cometh not but to, but to steal and to kill and destroy. I'm come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. He was talking about supernatural life. He said, I, I'm come that they can have real life. You're only half alive until you know Jesus Christ. But there's some who try another way. And there may be someone within the sound of my voice today who has tried another way. I tried a thousand ways, my hopes to raise, my fears to quell. But all I need, the Bible says, is Jesus. Only Jesus. Have you come the Jesus way? Are you sure that you have come by the door? Now, last of all, and I don't have time to develop all of this like I'd like to this morning, but I just want to give you these highlights, wonderful treasures from the garden of God. Have you ever heard the expression, now some of you will think I'm really country when I use this, what's behind the door? Now, some, I can just see your expressions, no, that doesn't mean anything, just blank. If you were from Henry County, you'd know what that meant. Over in Henry County, we'd sit down to eat, and out in the country, and when we had eaten the chicken and the mashed potatoes and gravy and the roast beef and the cranberries and the black-eyed peas and the garden English peas and the string beans and the butter beans and all those wonderful food and biscuits and butter and all that, then somebody would say, uh, what's behind the door? You know what that meant? What you got for dessert? How many of you knew that? About three or four of you. How about what you got for dessert? Now there's something behind the door. Jesus said, I am the door. 
By me, if any man will enter in, he will have, he will go in and out, he'll have pasture, he'll be saved. We have all of this and heaven too. What's behind the door? What's beyond that door? Jesus said there's pardon, purpose, peace, power, provision, all of this. And then I've gone to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And in that wonderful place Jesus has gone to prepare, he described it in Revelation 21. He said, there's no more death there. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's no more separation. And God himself wipes the tears away. And then he said, over there, his servants shall see his face face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be? When with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ, who died for me. We'll see Jesus. I've never seen him face to face. I've, I've seen him by faith, but not face to face. But one day we're going to see him face to face. And then he said, his servants shall serve him. And we're not to think of heaven as a place where we just sit around and twiddle our thumbs or, or, or put our fingers on the eternal harps forever. I watched some people play a guitar the other night. I was really amazed at their skill. I like that a lot. And I thought, I wish I were skillful in that. I've seen Rudy Atwood who play the piano, Brother Roger and others, Miss Sue and Miss Retha and others that play that piano so skillfully. I wish I could do that. When we get to heaven, I think we'll all be able to do something like that. But that's not all we're going to do in heaven. We're going to have some new assignments. His servants shall serve him. Now, Brother Jim and Brother Bill Compton are good on computers. He's going to say, I'm going to run Jupiter and Mars, and I want you all to take care of them for me. He'll get them over there taking care of Jupiter and Mars. And we'll know then whether there's life on Mars. We may know before that, I don't know. But we'll know then. And then he's going to say to some of the others of you, take care of those constellations over there. And how many are there? How many constellations are there? You say, well, pretty soon the Lord will run out of something for us to do. Oh, no. Have you ever tried to look up out into space? They tell us that there are millions and trillions of, 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 of planets, of, of, of constellations, of heavenly bodies. And we don't even know anything about them. Space goes out and out and out and out and out forever. And God will never run out of some assignment. I'm imagining that. God may tell us to do something entirely different. I think he'll have a group over here that'll sing his praises a whole lot of times. We'll get to sit there and listen to that. And now some of you that don't like banjos and guitars, uh, you don't have to listen to that. God will have a special place in heaven for those who like banjos and guitars, and they'll be over there singing up a storm. Uh, beautiful, beautiful old songs. Shake hands with mother again and dust on the Bible and all those songs. And they'll say, you remember back there? Well, we don't have to do that anymore because... Jesus is here and all of our loved ones are home and everything's okay. You see, we're going to have a wonderful time in heaven. Heaven is go not going to be boring at all. It'll be sweet and precious and beautiful. And God has something arranged for every one of us. I've gone to prepare a place for you. I asked a builder that I met in uh, San Antonio who is a, a big builder. I, I said, uh, how many houses do you build in a day. Well, he said, times are bad right now. He said, we just built six houses a day. I said, you mean you turn out six houses a day, every day? Yeah, we turn out six houses every day. Well, I said, if times are bad, what'd you do in good times? He said, we turned out 300 houses a day. 
300 houses a day. He had big crews. And I just thought, it didn't take you very long to do that, buddy. Jesus went 2,000 years ago to prepare a place for us. And what he's preparing for us is so much more powerful and precious than anything that's ever been prepared on earth. It's taken him 2,000 years to do it. Now he is going to welcome us home. And I want to tell you, my time is up, but the only way you can have any of that is to come by the door. You think Christianity is some square kind of religion where everybody has to wear a sour face all the time and everybody, nobody ever has a good time? Christians have better times than anybody. And if you're without God this morning, you've never come by the door, you don't know what you're missing. I want to encourage you today, when we give the invitation in a moment, get up immediately and say, I'm going by the door. I'm going by the Jesus way. I'm going to put my trust and faith in him, and I'm not going to linger any longer. I'm going to be an open disciple of the king, because I like what I've heard about Jesus being the door. And I love him, and I know he died on the cross for my sins. He was buried. Three days later, he was raised from the grave, and he's alive today. And he wants to live in my heart, and I want him to. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Our Father, we're so grateful that Jesus is the door. And for the promise you made by me, if any man will enter in, he shall go in and out and find pasture, and you'll have salvation. We pray that today someone who has been discouraged will have that load lifted and will know that we can have joy in Jesus even in the midst of trouble and pain. And someone who has delayed taking a stand for the Lord would today come openly and make that commitment and say, I want to be in the King's way and I want to come by the door. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. May we stand, please. What is our song number? 312, come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. I'd like to encourage you to come to Jesus today. <clears throat> Just as you are. Now there's some in this auditorium who have personally invited Jesus into your heart. You've asked him to be your savior. But, but you have not let others know about it. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father which is in heaven. Because you see, Jesus is the door, and everybody that comes has to come publicly. Has to take upon himself the stigma of the cross. I encourage you to do that today. Just come from where you are and say, I want to be part of God's work at this place. If you've never been saved, come to Jesus and trust him. If you have been saved, come out today and be an open follower of the Lord. And be part of God's family at this place. Will you do what Jesus tells you to do while we begin to sing, will you come?